Welcome to Birth Mystics with your hosts, Katie and Stephanie. So I'm also a big fantasy buff. I actually grew up on all sorts of fantasy. I've always loved the imagination, the creation of different possibilities and worlds, and especially magic, always magic. Um, And one of the things that was really a big influencer actually a little later for me was my younger siblings all became so into Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, And that show, I won't give you a big summary. If you like fantasy sort of things, you'd enjoy it. It's basically a world where elements are kind of at the center of everything in their world. Um, There are different kinds of magical people for kind of four factions, and they all center around a certain element. So fire, water, wind, and earth. And their entire kind of personality and culture centers around those kind of the elements and what represents that element, like the air or nomads, and they kind of do separate little tribes, and the earth have really big kingdoms, and the fire tend to be the aggressor, right? So in that world, there's also um, a world that's connected to it that's called the spirit world. And in the spirit world, there are lots of different kind of mysterious entities who have some powers um, of some kind, and some of them choose to move over into the physical realm or try and break into the physical realm for different reasons. And um, at the beginning of the creation of the physical realm, many of the very powerful spirits decided to give up their immortality in the land of the spirit world in order to create the earth. So basically, they were very powerful spirits at the core of what makes earth, earth. And the two I want to talk about today are called Tui and La. Tui and La were two powerful spirits. They represent the moon and the ocean. They um, created a secret place in the north where they lived as two fish. And these fish were guarded by the water nation. And they represented and actually were um, the moon and the ocean in the balance of the world. So they um, basically were in charge of tides, in charge of, of course, we know the moon affects humans as well. And um, for the ocean to flourish, it also needs to have um, the push and pull of the moon. So, and then there's a whole story in... Um, in Avatar about them, but I just love what they represent. I love the idea that there are different forces in our world that represent different things. And so Tui and La, the moon and the ocean, for me are a representation of the push and pull that is necessary for life to exist. We see this everywhere in nature. And I love, I feel like there's so much value to looking at nature and the symbiosis and the thriving that happens when things are in balance. And how often two seemingly different forces, very separate sometimes from one another, are very necessary in order for things to thrive. Like you think the moon and the ocean, like could you get more different? One's one's a watery substance that is found all over the earth. It's very malleable and the moon's a rock in the sky. Like they're very different things, but they have a push and a pull on each other. Um, And... There are a lot of those like throughout nature. Are there anything that kind of comes to mind when I talk about gives and take, pushes and pulls in nature for you, Stephanie? Come, comes up. I suppose I immediately went to yin yang, which is not entirely unrelated, I'm sure, mm-hmm. to the Tui and Law. Um, push and pull. Yeah, so I've been learning a little bit about, I'm going to probably butcher these words, but it's centripetal and centripetal 
centrifugal forces, forces. Yeah. yeah, in physics. Did I say them correctly? Close enough. I know what you're saying. Yeah, and it, it's interesting that one is very much um, like pulling us in, whereas the other is like pushing us out. But when these two are like working together, for example, that's like what keeps Earth in orbit. And it's pretty wild to think that the product of stability is actually because of the this push and pull force that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it kind cool. of blows my mind. It kind of freaks me out too. Like if I if I sit and contemplate on it too much, I'll be like, "This is such a delicate balance. Like, how is it working? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how have we not like overridden that balance and just flown out of orbit at mm-hmm. some point? You know, but yeah. well, it I also mean... blows my mind in a good way." <laughs> I mean, uh, sometimes I think about that too, just about how, how very pull humans have become that we take, take, and we don't give, give very much to our mm. surroundings and to the world we're in. And I do sometimes worry <laughs> about that balance. Because we have thrown it out of balance. That yeah. is interesting. Yeah. An example too, just yesterday we were talking to my, I was talking to my kids about cancer because someone that we know is dying of terminal cancer and we were, I was trying to help them understand what that was and they said well what's the cure to cancer and I'm like well that's the question of the day <laughs> but we were able to talk about how there's a lot of cures to cancer and that's the problem is that there's not just one mm. and that a lot of them could very well be the imbalance between what you described Katie like humans and the planet and that we have lost this balance where we're taking we're raping we're raping and pillaging the earth and now we are unlocking all sorts of toxic gases and we're polluting the earth and our food is no longer nutrient dense and like all of these things that have rippled out because of that loss of balance yeah totally and it's um it's all over like if you look at things like the fact that humans breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide and the mm. world around us, the plants, they breathe in carbon dioxide and, and they let out oxygen, that there's that symbiosis between us and that one could not, cannot have more than the other. We need each other in order to maintain the balance in the world. There's also things like, um, cold, like cold spells or winter where a lot of, um, rain and a lot of moisture comes down and then a time of heat where a lot of that moisture is taken back up into the air and the balance between clouds and weather and um, the earth and the moisture the earth holds, how that is also constantly cyclical. And if we go a little more small scale into our bodies, we also find a lot of cycles. We find a lot of push and pull. There are things like our lungs that a lot of our body has a lot of contracting and expanding is more the word we use in like our body systems to explain the push and pull. We have the body system of breath. Um, we are pu- constantly pulling in air. In order to feed our entire body, we can't function without it, which is crazy to think about of itself, that we have this function we don't think about that is absolutely necessary for our existence that goes on without thinking. But we pull in air, the air goes into all of our body, and then we push out carbon dioxide. Mm. We also have our heart pushes the oxygen through our body and then pulls the blood back up to the heart that Mm. no longer has the oxygen. So there's so much push and pull that goes on in our body. And the muscular system too. Our muscles are also made to contract and expand. So if we are lifting things, um, exerting ourselves, our muscles are tightening, they're contracting, but they have to have enough time in expansion, which is where we stretch or where we rest in order to maintain balance because if muscles are left 
too consistently in contraction without time to be able to experience expansion, they will get stiff and this can cause all sort of chaos in the body. Chronic tension. Chronic tension. Yeah, a lot of like our neck pain because we, we constantly, and this isn't even like a big thing. Mm-hmm. It's like cell phones causing us to look forward and down just enough yeah. that there are these muscles in our neck that are always too contracted and muscles in the back of our, and like the front of our neck that are too contracted and the back of our neck that are too, too expanded, stretched. too yeah. stretched out. Yeah. And then they get overstretched and over contracted and they cinch. Mm. And that's where a lot of pain comes from because the body says, I am not in balance. I have not been able to live between contraction and expansion. Yeah. So it's really cool to think about all these in our body. And of course, like, because this is a birth podcast, I'm going to take it to birth now and talk about how during birth itself, it is a push and pull process. Mm. There is a give and a take. There is, and even emotionally, there's gives and takes that need to happen. But in the body, um... The muscle, the uterus itself, is also a contract and expand muscle. And I love to talk about the uterus because I remember when I learned this, and for a lot of you who are have been around birth for a long time, this of course will be a basic, but I just can't help but nerd about, about it because it was one of the big mind expanders for me was the fact that like how amazing the uterus is. So when you're pregnant, your uterus, the majority of the muscle tone, the majority of the mass of the uterus muscle is down in your cervix. It's all down bottom. And then it has enough around the baby to maintain the placenta and to hold the baby in its place. And that entire mass of muscle somehow migrates, not somehow, we know how, but it migrates during labor around and up, which I think is so cool that the muscle just like ripples or transfers itself. Like it just moves mm-hmm. from the bottom to the top. Like the muscle can do that. And it just knows how it to do It just knows this. how to do that. And it moves from the bottom to the top and then essentially gets ready to push a baby out. So it pulls the muscle up from the cervix. That's during labor, early labor. Which is labor. where we get the effacement and the dilation because mm-hmm. it's pulling and thinning, mm-hmm. right? So the, the muscle mass is leaving the mm-hmm. area and, yeah, pulling it out. So it pulls upward in order to push a baby out. And so it creates this big old turtleneck up on top. Yes. <laughs> it's like all bunched up. <laughs> all around the baby's butt or head, depending yeah. on what's going well, on. Hopefully butt, right? <laughs> hopefully butt. <laughs> but I mean, it'll do it for the head too. Yeah. Um, in order to give that pressure, that downward pressure to help you push a baby out of your body, which is super impressive. The uterus is super impressive. I love that Ina Mae Gaskin says... Um, if men, oh, the uterus is this, what did she say exactly? I don't remember. She talks about how the uterus is amazing. And if men had one, they would brag about it all day. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that quote. <laughs> True Fantastic. <though>. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe we should be bragging more We should. I'm going to brag. I'm bragging about how amazing our yeah. uteruses are because I mean, penises do a little bit of that, like expansion yeah. and contraction, if you yeah, want to think yeah, about yeah, it. Good point. But it is not on the amazing scale. And that's like to mm. even not withstanding the fact that it homes a human, that it builds itself. Yeah. But even just the process of labor and what the muscle goes through during labor is super impressive. Indeed. Um, so the, I love the idea of this push and pull during labor physically. And I feel like that's very empowering. So I don't mind the word contraction myself. I don't know how you feel about the word contraction. I love the word contraction. It speaks to me of its function. So to me, it connected me to my body and to the physiology that's happening. Yes, I feel the same way. So in my second, I did hypnobirthing, and they talk about the word expansion, which is a good word. Um, and we should expand our bodies around our uterus, but your uterus is actually contracting during a contraction. Mm-hmm. It's not actually expanding during a contraction. Yeah. So that's a little bit like it's a good visualization to imagine I expand 
like I take a deep breath and I make lots of room. I get out of the way. I expand to, to do this situation. So I see why it's positive and how that like could help someone who relates the word contraction to fear and pain. Um, but I think that at its core, contraction is a very neutral word. It's simply what the body is doing. And it's not just the uterus muscle that contracts. All your muscles contract. So I myself use that word unless clients like specifically tell me they have like a strong preference. And for me, it's almost a powerful word. Like I'm contract. This is power. Power contracts. Like my body is powerful and it is taking up this power in the contractions, right? Um, but then also allowing for in between the expansion or the pulse. So we have during, during a contraction, you have one force at bay, but then you need in between the contraction, you need to have softness and be able to settle. So it is that opposite, that yang to the yin, like you talked about of the pulling and the intensity of the contraction where work is trying to get done, the muscles trying to move, but then you also have to have the softness to let it settle and rest in between. So that can be very powerful and like to remind yourself, um, I've talked about this a little bit before, but how much, how productive the rest is, that it is the balance of labor, is the not rest, the work and the rest, that they belong together. And that belongs emotionally as well, because earth is an earth, birth is full of pushes and pulls emotionally. There'll be sometimes during labor where you feel so grounded and so in your body. And then you may have a pull of big emotions that come up that may be calling you to lean on those around you. It may be your psychology saying, this is a big deal. This is a lot of change. I don't know what to do with it. And I, I deserve support right now. I deserve to have someone around me be there for me. I, I reach out, right? That we're not created to be independent single islands. That there are moments in labor where it is good and it is positive to need some assistance from outside, to need to pull someone, to need to hold someone, to take someone's rest, or take someone's energy, or to hold on to them and say, hey, I just need a moment where I need from the outside. I need someone to be the moon to my ocean. I need someone to give me a little bit to help me over this hump right now. Because some people, I feel like it's funny how birth somehow we judge. Every, every single thing somehow gets judged. Like if you during transition look outside of yourself that you just weren't strong enough to do it yourself. And I just think that's so sad because I personally am not one. I have never had a transition in either of my unmedicated births where I've looked outside of myself. I am a very interior transitioner hmm. because I just feel all this unsettlement in my body. Um, I usually got very like twitchy and fidgety, but I never reached out for anybody. And at the time I was very proud of myself. I this by myself. And now with time, as I've watched other births, there is something deeply moving and deeply spiritual to me about that moment when a woman looks up with her whole heart and her whole existence in her face and reaches out for those around her and says, look at me, see me, hold me. I need to be held for a minute. And I think for me, my births, while they were beautiful and I'm so proud of them, I didn't have that balance. I didn't have times where I allowed other people to be an anchor to me or to be something that I could look to, that I could, that I could, kind of give that give and take from. So that's um, that's something I've been thinking a lot about is that that balance. And there's some people who maybe want too much from other people who don't believe in their own strength, right? They don't have that groundedness in themselves to know I, I'm going to figure this out where they look a little too much outside of themselves and say, help me, fix me, mm -hmm. tell me what to do. 
Yeah. And that, that push and pull, what's going on in your mind? What do you think? I keep thinking of the word power because like there's been such a positive movement to have empowered birth and thankfully so. And now you're causing me to just really sit with that term. Like, what does it actually mean to be empowered? And maybe our society has made it more the push, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, well, if you had an empowered birth, you didn't need anybody or you didn't have interventions or you didn't, like, have moments of, of weakness or vulnerability. And I think you're really helping us come to a better definition which is actually you can have an empowered birth where you wept like a baby, where you needed your partner at your side the whole time, where you um, changed plans and you were planning on medicated and you chose for an epidural somewhere along the way. Like empowered can look like so many different things. And particularly when we invite balance, how beautiful that it can be both. Mm -hmm. It's like, Going into birth with a full trust, I'll figure this out, but not with the full expectation everything will go right or everything will come from inside or my body perfectly knows how to do this because I've been to a lot of births, friends, and sometimes curveballs are thrown. Sometimes I don't understand. Like the more births I go to, I feel like the more I just am like, huh, like it, sometimes things just take their own path, even though I know all the signs to look for even though I've, I've learned so many things, I still feel like a beginner. And I, you have to have that reverence for the fact that it is a complicated, delicate process. And to know, okay, I'm gonna draw on my inner strength, but I also am gonna have the balance to be honest with myself about the point where I need to ask for help. The point where I need to look outside, my help, outside myself and change plans and accept that, that pull from the, to pull from the world or to pull from from all the tools we have available, including medical tools, mm -hmm. and to not push, because I've seen many women who want, who want their unmedicated birth so bad that they push themselves into a pretty unhealthy place yeah. where they're not progressing, but they're pushing. They're pushing so hard for this, and they, they become very rigid and just kind of like move into a place of deep suffering, but that's like, and I, a part of me is like proud, like, girl, you're stubborn and you're strong and like... <laughs> You pushed it way past, like way past you where your body had energy. This. You can muscle through, but at some point, usually people have to reach outside and then it's about the story you tell yourself. And that's kind of what I'm trying to get to is that there is no shame in pulling. There's no shame. I think women are taught to push so much more than we pull. pulling is like needing almost. It's yes. like, it's, and, and receiving. Mm -hmm. It's bringing something into you. Yes. That's interesting. A lot of women, I think, we're taught we're supposed to be givers. We're supposed to be the ones pushing out from ourselves. We're mm -hmm. supposed to be the ones taking from what we have and giving to our children, to our yeah. partners, to the world. And we're supposed to be very selfless. And I think sometimes, especially, it was, I know I'm this way, that it is definitely an overcoming that has to happen for me to pull at all. And I'm getting much better at it. I am um, not, I, a year ago would have said something different. I definitely would have been someone who pushed, I will not call a backup because I can do this. It's fine. Like my body will figure it out. I'll just take a couple days off after it'll be fine. But learning like, no, we're supposed, like we need community and we need those times. And it's very destructive when we try and stay and push, we will feel the imbalance. It'll show itself, whether it's in the state of your relationships, in the state of your physical health. We know, like, I think it's so beautiful that psychology and science have gotten to the point where they're asking questions about how our emotional state and how 
uh, relates to our actual physical well-being because we come out of a centuries of saying the body's like a machine and we treat it like a machine and we try and fix these issues like kind of like <laughs> troubleshooting and not realizing oh it's not always uh, cold equals this equals that or your muscles are tight because of whatever there's a lot of our emotional state also goes into our body and we know that trauma is stored in our body and we know that um, the way that we relate to others, all of it will come one way or another. The imbalance between push and pull will show itself. I'm even thinking about the baby's experience in birth because we know most of the time, every time the mother bears down and the baby, let's say, takes two steps forward, typically by the time that contraction's over, baby takes one step back. Mm-hmm. And this can feel like defeat. This can feel like, gosh, all this pushing is for naught. Like, mm-hmm. why can't the baby just come down and stay down? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's interesting that even that has its beautiful benefit. It's like the way I've heard it described is that every time the baby descends, there's like this rush of blood as, as the, well, I should say that first the tissues are being stretched by the baby's head or body. It's when baby backs up that one step that that's when the blood rushes down and flows into that tissue that was just stretched. And in many ways, it's preparing those tissues for the delivery. And if it if baby didn't back off, if baby just came down like a slip and slide and there was no give and take and that push and pull, I think we'd have a lot more birth trauma, a lot more like trauma to the tissues, quite mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. Now, of course, you can still have tearing and different things even with that push and pull, but what would it be with, how bad would it have been? If it just jammed without? straight through. Yeah. And so there's just another angle to look at it in that if we got what we wanted, we might regret it. Yeah. Because it comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes in our society too, we get so fixated on what makes sense to us that we don't leave the mystery open. That like there, there is a reason for this and maybe I don't understand it right now, but yeah. there anything. And that's part of the mystery is saying no matter what curveball my body throws, it's not just dumb. Like my body's not just broken or mad or dumb. There is a reason why it is doing this. There's a reason why it's pushing so hard or unable to complete or moving so slowly or whatever may happen in labor that feels frustrating because it's not following the one size fits all norm that um, we often hear about, like the standard labor or whatever. But understanding like there's, your body is wise and it's protecting you and it's protecting itself always and protecting the baby as best it can. And when we give ourselves that grace to say, my body is so smart, what is it telling me? I read the other day um, on Instagram, someone posted a story about how they were um, in labor and delivery and they were pushing. They've been pushing for about an hour and a half and they're starting to talk about forceps and the mom was getting kind of frustrated. And the doula said, wait one second, like, what if we all just leave you alone? Have everybody go out? Because obviously this baby's not going to come flying out because we've been trying for a long time. And what if you just do right now whatever you feel like doing? Like, what if you just do whatever you feel like doing right now? Wow. Because she felt so pressured. Everybody's there. Baby can come now. You're yeah. 10 centimeters. Let's get this baby out. and Push harder. Even the dogs like, push, count. One, mm-hmm. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the mom was like, okay. So everybody leaves and she lays over and falls asleep for 15 minutes. She lays down on the bed and sleeps mm-hmm. and had like one contraction during the sleep and breathe through it or two. Mm-hmm. And then woke up and the baby was born about six minutes later. Ugh. And I just think when I hear those things, like a lot of times we try and influence birth and we don't allow the woman to have her 
sit with her intuition and we also are such people pleasers, which is like one of my big topics, you know, where if everybody says this is how it's going to be, then we think we have to do it. Particularly in the pushing stage. Yes. Like I think because it has that label, we're like, okay, there's no rest to be found. There's no pulling allowed. It's only push. You're 10 centimeters and, now. Yeah. Push baby out. <laughs> so I love that you're calling that into question there in mm-hmm. such a good way. Like I'm grinning from ear to ear because that's so meaningful. Mm-hmm. It's like you're giving permission to all of those giving birth out there to even within the pushing stage to claim some of the pull time. Yes. No, I think the body will naturally do that if it's a longer pushing phase. Yeah. I feel like a lot of more hands-off birth situations, they're, that often happens that you'll feel kind of pushy and grunty and get up and feel like you have to poo and maybe go and sit in the toilet for a little bit. And then maybe just feel like, no, I want to lay down again for a minute. Yeah. Um, that happens. That happens pretty often, actually, when things are left alone. But I I do want to like balance that with the other side that I feel like within the natural birth community, there's a big movement for all intervention is bad. Like there should never be any pull from outside medical support. Mm -hmm. Like that's essentially always bad. Mm -hmm. And I think that has its own danger. I think that yes, in general, the body is smart and it has the function within, but that there are lots of, lots of factors, kind of like we talked about before that are changing in our world. Our lifestyle has changed so much in the last 180 years um, that our body's having a hard time catching up. We don't move as much. Like you said, our, our food isn't as nutritious. And sometimes I think our bodies just are struggling. Like, And especially if you've had a lot of babies and you're depleted or you're dehydrated, there's a lot that can go on. Or if you're emotionally very traumatized from different situations in your life, all of that can be curveballs where your body's trying to figure out how to get around the curveball or the curveball causes a reaction in your body. And a lot of those things, it is really good to have not specifically always interventions, but to have a smart guide who understands all the different parts of birth and can give you different ideas. Um, and to have not feel bad, like my body, I believe the body can do anything and every body was made to birth and every woman could go unassisted. And I can tell you that's just not true. I've been to births who absolutely could not have gone unassisted. Mm-hmm. Um, just from the way the labor went, from her mindset, from and not like it's the woman's fault, but simply because she has of her history and the way she was brought up and the way our society brings people up. There's just so much. It's so complicated. So many factors. Like we talked about that delicateness and that that's just fact that we can do all we can do. There's so much we can do to try and prepare a body and be mindful and prepare our hearts. And at the end of that, it's good to give up to that push and pull and to that idea of, of balance, right, is not being extreme in either direction of my body can't do this at all. I have to have everything pulled, like everything needs to be taken and I'll just go and without two thoughts, I'll just have it taken from me. And some people have positive experiences with that for who they are at the time. And I have nothing against that, but I do find it an extreme where there is a lot that is out of balance with that. It's like an abdication of power. Yes. Like, yeah. Just knock me out, put me on the table. I don't want to be involved. Yes. Very, very passive. Yes. And while maybe at the time it feels good for the woman, and it probably makes sense. Like if you're in a place in your life where that's what you want and that feels good, um, I'm glad that people have good experience with that. But there's mm-hmm. just so much. It's, it's a symptom of an underlying disempowerment mm-hmm. and an underlying lack of understanding of the potential of both your body and yourself. Um, that there's this whole world. I'm just like, come open your eyes. 
Um, and I would, may I say, yes. I feel like one way to find that balance between these two extremes is simply getting into a headspace that allows you to ask the question, is this intervention being used for me or is it being done to me? And to me, like that's been a helpful rubric to circumnavigate all of the many choices that come up along the way through the birth process. Because at any time, if something is being done to you, you're, you're going to be disempowered. You're going to be victimized. It's not, it's not actually helping you mm-hmm. because it maybe was done without your consent or maybe it was done um, needlessly. Like maybe there wasn't a genuine need for it. Or someone sold you that it was, <clears throat> there they wanted it, but they sold it to yeah, you as so you necessary were when it wasn't. manipulated or coerced into it yes. or tricked. Yeah. Um, versus kind of getting into a place where it's like, here's all the factors at play and this proposed intervention feels right. And, it, and, and I'm going to choose it. And then after I make that choice, this is something being done for me, for my benefit and for my baby's benefit. And that is a very different place to be in. And to me, that invites quite a lot of balance between those polarities. Yeah. I think it's a lot about like your mindset, whether instead of having like a set outcome, um, having a goal you're working towards, but cultivating that resilience and cultivating that, that openness and flexibility while saying, here's where I would like to go and I'm going to do the things that I can do to head that direction. But the where birth trauma, and I'm not talking about birth trauma, meaning abuse, but where people feel very ashamed and disappointed and lost and out of control and frustrated during their births is when you're trying to say, if anything deviates from that, it means I've done something wrong. Or I failed. Or I failed. Or it's my body's bad. Or I didn't prepare good enough. Or, and you put all that blame on yourself where to say, oh, I've done my best. I'm going to try and follow my intuition. I'm going to head in this direction. Yeah. And when big things come up or any boulders are in the way, then I'm not going to say, there's a boulder. I'm terrible. I'm, I can't believe I did this. I'm going to say, okay, do I go over? Do I go around? What are my options? And what feels good? Like mm-hmm. what looks like the best idea and what feels like the best idea? And not having that kind of idea of non-judgment with your own self and on your birth. Yeah. I think that's what makes the most beautiful power positive births because people seem to idolize like the smooth birth. Yeah, or they fixate on a method of birth and they think that that is the end goal. Mm-hmm. So it's like VBAC was my goal. I didn't get it. Therefore, my birth is broken or uh, a, a technique. Um, I can't count the many how many times I've heard people say my failed hypnobirth and I like to like have them step back for a minute. I'm like, really? Did it fail? Because what what is a hypnobirth by definition? <laughs> you know, yeah. did you utilize hypnosis at any time to cope? Yes. Hey, sounds successful to me. It sounds like you used hypnobirthing yeah, tools. <laughs> exactly. And maybe it goes back to who the educator was and what expectations you attached yourself to. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think what you're saying, Katie, is and what I'm always preaching from my soapbox and my birth course is that birth is bigger than the outcome. Birth is bigger than the method. Birth is bigger than the labels we ascribe to it. Birth itself is the experience, not the how we get there. It's just Mm. that we're doing the thing. We're showing up. We're, we're in that process. And that is all that is asked of us. Yes, I totally agree. So I think that like to wrap it up, I just like to remind you about what balance is. I feel like in our society, We have this idea that when you found a place of balance, it'll be a place of ease. 
Like, once I've gotten these hard things out of the way, once this difficult thing I'm going through is out of my life, I'll feel more balanced. Mm -hmm. Or I'll feel more balanced if this wasn't so hard. Or we just have this idea that balance means we've only got good in our lives. Wow. When balance in and of itself is resilience. Balance is the moon and the ocean. Balance is the push and the pull. And when we are unwilling to engage in the uncomfortableness of life, Everything has pushes and pulls. Your life is going to push and pull you in every direction, no matter how hard you try and fight it. And the fighting itself is where the pain comes from. The fighting itself is where we feel, we're telling ourselves, I'm out of balance. I need to fight this thing to get in balance. Where really that thing is inviting you as a part of this world to learn a lesson, to grow, to join vibrancy and to join thriving. Because the only way any of this earth um, reaches prosperity is through the balance, which is including the storms and the hurricanes and the winter and the sun and the softness and the beautiful misty nights. And all of that it entails is what makes our earth beautiful and what makes it function as a planet. And we are all smaller versions, smaller scales of that complexity. And we need it all. How boring would life be if nothing ever happened and everything was simple? And, and you just um, just went, won a million billion dollars and you just traveled all day and nothing bad ever, ever, ever happened and nothing interesting. Like for me, it's just like, how do you envision it? Like truly sit down and try and envision what a life would be without the without all of it. I actually think we'd cease to exist. Like I sometimes think about the echocardiogram and that we can actually see what life is in a picture. Mm-hmm. And it's a rise and it's a fall over and over and over again. You know, as our our heart is pumping as as it's doing that contract and release and and I like to me flatline <laughs> is what mm. you're saying. Like, yeah. if we think flatline is balance, we're mistaken. Yes. Balance is like the constant friction. Yeah. And ba- I think balance, like, and the whole core of what I think birth has taught me and like the center of it for me is simply that if I can just find that peace of mind to be in the moment I'm in and to allow what's happening, that there's nothing that can ever make me feel like I'm out of control. There's nothing that ever can make me feel like I don't want to be there anymore because it's simply saying, okay, I know that the the push always, there's always a pull for every push. And there is, this is a hard push. This is a hard pull, but I can breathe through it and trying to pretend like it's not there, not reaching out for help for fear of being too needy or for wanting to show strength or whatever reason we don't reach out to those around us. Because if someone's in a big pull, why can't we give them, if we're, in a, if we're in a low and someone's in a high, why can we not reach out and say, hey, do you have a moment for me today? I really just could use some positivity. Why? Why do we feel like we have to be so isolated in our ups and downs where if we all were together in a place where we had, when I'm high, when I'm in a, in a thrive place, I have something to give and I want to lift someone who's in a hard place, then we would just have this beautiful togetherness we would build. And that, for me, is also balance. Community is balance. Connection is balance. Because connection, we can be, we can have something horrific happen. And in our area, we just had um, among, at the high school, there was a very wonderful everybody loved her 18 year old about to graduate this year girl who um was diagnosed with leukemia after having very few symptoms on a thursday and passed away on a sunday 
So within three days, she went from being normal at school to dead. And um, in our ward, so in like our church group, a lot of the girls got up and talked about how much they're going to miss her and how they knew she would want them to be happy. And she knew she would want them to, right? They had such beautiful, hopeful messages for me. And they reached out to the community and they shared and they cried and they stood up and they said how hard that was. And, and they met together in this big group and they had like a circle where they talked about and shared stories of her and showed pictures of her and talked about their favorite thing. And it was just so beautiful for, to me because they were in a low, but they're from, as an outsider who didn't know the girl, there was so much beauty yeah. Like there was so much connection and beauty and love in that circle because of that low and because of just being reminded how valuable life is, that that is also sweet. Like there's always the bitter and the sweet. They always, they always bounce back and forth and they coexist. So just remember if whatever your birth was, whatever it will be, there is bitter and there will be sweet. There, it depends a lot on what the story is that you're telling yourself. And I think that's one of my themes too lately is what is the story I'm telling myself about my partner's intentions? What's the story I'm telling myself about my birth? And maybe finding someone who's qualified to process with, or even for yourself, just take a step back and say, well, is that story true? Is that story true? Or am I seeing myself in the most negative light possible? Am I criticizing myself unnecessarily? And if someone else, my best friend in the world, had that birth, what would I say to her? What would I say to her about that experience? And remind ourselves, like, sometimes we're just so hard on ourselves. And that's not balance either. So I guess not, this episode for me is about reminding you that there's, there's love wherever you find yourself on the scale. And that balance is something that, that we can strive to find within. Thank you for joining us as we step into darkness, knowing we will find light.